All right, we're going live. All right. You've been warned. <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast, episode 163. This week we have Jordan Rivers with the Growcast. Thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Return the favor. You did an amazing job on my show. I really enjoyed speaking with you. So I'm happy to be on your show. Heck yeah. Always good to, to help support other grower, growcasters in the community, other people that are as passionate about putting out cannabis education as we are and and other people that are just out there trying to get to these different events and meet these breeders. I think I first met uh, a gentleman from your team over on the uh, up in Portland. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, but he came up and was just like, hey, I really dig what you're talking about. I'd love to talk to you, do an interview for the for the podcast that we do. And I always try to support other people and you know cross-pollinate audiences and, and help people learn and grow. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. And we've We've had quite the technical issues trying to get you on uh, <laughs> you had problems. I had problems and we, we got it worked out eventually. Yeah, man. And I do appreciate it. Um, you know, with Growcast, we just like talking to people. There's so many different sides of the cannabis industry. And to be honest, I've spoken with a lot of different people now. I mean, I'm sure as you have just because everyone's so open within the community, but um, you really are doing something special, man. I would say after talking to everybody that I've spoken to, your little subset of regenerative soil guys, I would kind of put you in that category. You're even more subset with the aquaponics, but you're into the, I know you're into the dual root zone stuff and the, uh, the super soil concept and all that. You guys, when I speak to you, you know, Joshua Rutherford and Colin Bell and Chris Trump, uh, you just make so much sense. You make so much sense that, uh, I, there, I don't believe that there is any one per right way to grow or anything, but, um, I put you up there in the Mount Rushmore of interesting, most interesting people that I've spoken to on Growcast. So, well, I appreciate, I appreciate it. It means a lot, man. It really does. And aquaponics is even more interesting to me just because it's so, um, you know, coming from an average grow background, it's so different. It's so unique and seemingly complex, but not really that complex, but yeah, I digress. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be here anyways. Awesome. I appreciate it. We also have Roger, my LGM. Hey, how y'all doing tonight? Hey. hey you, you forgot to mention your forum last time before we wrap up the show. You want to mention it real quick at the beginning of this one? I think I actually mentioned the forum, which is I love growing marijuana.com. And it's not mine, it's Robert Bergman's, but I administrate the forum and do the blog, all the blog answers. And we got over 500, uh, uh, five to 600 now um, uh, articles in the blog. Um, not near as big as uh, IC Mag as I was found, I found out with Mr. Green Jeans last week, but I've actually um, been recently uh, partnered up with the Carolina Canna Connection, which is a hemp company. Um, we're hoping to be cannabis one day, but uh, I, I partnered up with them, and we're we're trying to uh, build a big farm out here in Carolina, and um, you know it's a lot of fun. It's certainly made me a lot more busy. You know, I don't, I don't have any free time now, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's crazy, but uh, that's what I'm doing. And, you know, that's about it. Yeah. Well, thanks Steve. But yeah, I love growing marijuana.com. If you want a really friendly, mature uh, place to go and interact with people on a forum where you can share your pictures, that's not Instagram or Facebook. Uh, we have a forum ba based out of a hosted in Amsterdam and uh, we have a genetics lab in Amsterdam and that's what we do. And uh, for those of you who are looking for an alternative for Instagram, big shout out to the guys, JR Token and everybody else over at um, 
a can of buzz. They've been there on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, again, if you're looking for an alternative that doesn't crack down on cannabis industry content, can of buzz is a huge supporter of the show. They come out and, and put, you know, their money where their mouth is and really support the community in ways that other people don't. Um, so if you are looking to, you know, find a community that's more embracing of our uh, people and the kind of content that we do, please go check out can of buzz. Those guys really put a lot of work into it. All right. So um, thanks a lot, Jordan, for joining us. Why don't you tell us about yourself and what you do in your podcast? Because you do a really awesome podcast as well that I know I'm a, a passionate listener of as well. Oh, thanks, man. I do appreciate that. Um, I started Growcast almost five years ago now, which is crazy to think about. Um, my growing mentor when I was living in Humboldt County, Wolfman, uh, he kind of showed me the ropes and got brought me into the cannabis community in Humboldt, which was just such a cool culture. Um, and we were talking every night and we would hang out just to hang out and we would tell ourselves, all right, no grow talk, you know, and it always turns to grow talk. So we said, we better turn on, turn on a microphone if we're going to waste our nights like this every single night. And back then, man, there were no grower podcasts. I mean, there was a couple, you know, but um, it, it's like just such a blue water market. If you compare it to anything else, it's just such a, such a new field. So we jumped on it and I was just producing stuff for the longest time, just because it needed to be made, you know, released it when I could, that sort of thing. And um, really built a good following, just, you know, never really taking too hard of a stance on anything. I know that sounds kind of weak um, when people are looking for grow advice, but I am a curious person at heart. And I noticed that so many people said that they had the one right answer, but all their answers were different which means that that couldn't possibly be true. So I just like talking to everybody in this industry, man, from like the vilified CEOs of big nutrient companies all the way to a dreadlocked fellow such as yourself showing off the, uh, the locks there. Um, no, I just like to talk to everybody, man, and, and learn all different styles. And to be honest, there was a time when I was going to drop Growcast and end Growcast because I was struggling so much when it came to the logistics of production and keeping the show going. Um, cause I do have some other projects and they were starting to kind of pick up steam and have more traction where Growcast was just suffering. And that's when I hooked up with Rob Smith. You said you had the pleasure of uh, meeting one of the people from the team. Well, that's my co-producer, Rob Smith. And man, he, he was just a guest on the show and we, we'd kept in contact for years back and forth. He actually has a product called the, uh, uh the Atlas plant trainer. Have you had him on your show, Steven? Not yet, but I'd love to. You really should, man. He gives one of the best, he gives the best talk that I've ever seen when it comes to uh, plant support and plant training. Um, and that's his whole thing. And his product, the Atlas Plant Trainer is really cool. But um, anyways, that's how we first met. But I brought him on board as a producer and he he completely changed the show, man. Bumped it up to two episodes a week, booking all the big guests, going to the events, hooked me up with people like you, um, all the people that you work with, all the aforementioned regenerative soil guys. And uh it's just been a wild ride since then we've teamed up and, and really taken the show to the next level and it's never been better. So obviously people can find it everywhere where podcasts are available to be downloaded everywhere. You can procure your favorite podcasts and uh, YouTube as well. Spotify growcastpodcast.com. We're just killing it, man. We're loving it. Um, and again, we're just the deliverers of the, of the experts like yourself, right? You're so, you're so into your field. Like no one could know as much about your specialty as you do just because you spend so much time there all the time, you know? So that's my goal is, is I, I'm definitely a grower at heart, but I'm more of a podcaster and that's what Growcast is. It's the Growcast podcast, man. So.
I appreciate that a lot. And uh, it's really awesome to see other people that have the same passion for that. And I'm sure you've noticed too, the more guests you have on, the more like guests recommend you other guests. I know that there's been countless times we've gotten guests like Gypsy Nirvana and some of these other people that are like mystical people online that suddenly appeared on, on our podcast for the first time or second time in an interview ever. Um, because, you know, they got a good recommendation from someone else that was on the show that happened to be friends, real good friends with them. And, and I'm sure you've had the same thing where you've had, you know, a real good time with a guest and they've ended up bringing you other great guests. And, you know, the more good content you put out there, the, the you know, it, it, in certain ways it gets easier, in certain ways it gets harder. It gets harder to grow the community, but it gets easier to get good guests. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's totally true. I was just on... Um... I don't mean to be, you know, plugging everybody, but I figured oh, cool. uh, I was just on uh, Shane McCormick's show, Growing With Our Fellow Growers. Um, I, have you been on there? I'm sure you have. I haven't been, but it sounds cool. Oh, well, let's get you on there, man. Let's do it. It's it's fun because it's like a really big panel. He has a bunch of people on and I was intimidated at first um, because there's going to be a bunch of soil t- scientists and shit. And it's like, Jordan, what do you have to say? Like, what have you been up to? You have you been in Vegas? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, oh man, I'm not gonna have shit to say. But it was actually really open and uh, really cool. And um, yeah, after that, I I contacted everybody on that panel, and they're all coming on the show, and they're all doing great jobs on the show, and we're all creating value for each other. So, it's really cool, man. I know we've been really good friends with both the Embracing Organics guys in uh, Rasta Jeff, going back to. Rasta Jeff was a guest in one of our first 50 episodes, I think. Um, and then um, uh, the Dude Grows show. You know, Dude Grows is what oh, yeah. one of the me. oldest ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's what inspired me and Marty to do the show is like, we love the the format of their show and it's kind of a little more laid back, a little more goofy, but still educational and, and trying to cover that, that gap of being entertaining and fun and um and, and still educational at the same time and uh, you know they inspired marty and i we got pissed off one night because marty and i both got angry at being told for the last you know a thousand time you couldn't grow cannabis and aquaponics and we're like well both of us have done this a bunch like let's just post a bunch of pictures do a podcast educate people on how to do it and then there's no more arguing about whether or not it works it's how well does it work and, and you know suddenly now we change the conversation and, and, so cool. and you know what I mean? And that's really what, why we started this podcast to begin with. And um, so, so what, what inspired with that on that note, what inspired you to get you started with your podcast? And, you know, you talked a little bit about that on the recording, but like, what was kind of like the nail in the coffin on like, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to stick with this. Like you talked about, you know, possibly wrapping up the show. What was kind of like the thing that really made you realize like, this is something I need to stick to and be passionate about it and see through, you know, hell or high water. Cause a lot of us podcasters get to the point where maybe we get demonetized by YouTube or we get suspended or we get, you know, kicked in the nuts in some other way. And it gets so really tough. demoralizing sometimes, especially with the amount of effort and time you put into the podcasts. You know, what, what was your moment on, on this is, you know, I'm going to grind through this. Man, you're like a, you're a quality interviewer. You should, you should expand your podcast game, man. Um, and that's actually, that kind of plays into my answer, which is, I, I was I was lucky to be making a a good decision, a positive decision when I was deciding whether or not to continue Growcast because I always recommend that people have their hands in multiple pots, man. You gotta make multiple bets. And I had multiple shows. And to be honest, I was having success with some of my other shows. And you know, I gotta I gotta pay the bills and monetization was a big part of it. I was I was struggling to find guests 
you know, I, I point to monetization right away because that was definitely a big part of it, mainly because I was having success in other areas. But the other thing was, man, I was doing everything myself. That was even before I brought on uh, my my editor to my my pro pro editor. Shout out to Sten from Estonia. Uh, I mean, I was doing literally everything myself, man. And it was eating way too much time and it wasn't yielding the results I wanted as far as increased numbers listener wise. And I was making negative money off the show. I was losing money on the show. That's, that's the thing. And it's like, if I'm making money in this other area and Growcast wasn't bringing me the same passion as before, because it had been so long and I, I, I felt tired. Wolfman, who was carrying the show with me, was in the middle of a move. So he, he wasn't able to pitch in as much as he could. I mean, one of the most generous people I know, you know, uh, gets busy and it was just one of those moments. And Rob came in at just the right, the right time and don't mean to dwell on my story too much and, you know, blow too much smoke, but it was perfect. And I feel like it was fate because it's, it's blown up the show further than we ever could have thought. And now we're, we're just killing it and we're putting out more free content and helping more people than we ever have before. So I'm just trying to, uh, to keep grinding and do what my producer says, cause that guy's smart. And that's also where I work the best is uh, under guidance like that. So um, I, I've been working on a couple different things. Maybe this is a good time to shout out the Coffee Health and Science podcast, uh, my newest show. I love medicinal herbs, not just cannabis. And uh, there's a lot of amazing health benefits behind organically grown, high quality, uh, well-produced coffee. So my newest show is the Coffee Health and Science Podcast. I'm doing that for a company called Purity Coffee. And uh, that was one of the big ones that I was weighing. Like, man, I'm getting so much more traction and, and love with this coffee podcast and, and suffering from Growcast. And I knew that it was my fault. It was, it was all because of my um, lack of skills in certain areas. So I, need, I either needed to learn those things, which wasn't going to happen, or bring someone on board. And that's what I did. So, so I was just very generous with my offer and it was the best decision I ever made by far. Awesome. So, so what are some of the different challenges and, and things that you've found, you know, doing the podcast aside from the stuff we've touched on, what are some of the, maybe, you know, maybe some of the other things for a newer podcaster that should be thinking about in terms of what to go or maybe we just move to that question is no no it's a great question for, for people that are thinking about getting into it and maybe some of the bigger issues um yeah. i know that you and i have both run into a lot of the similar ones well i'll tell you man when it really comes down to it if i just had to distill it it's all about relationships i i mean life is all about relationships to be honest um, but success in any venture is all about relationships and it points to what i just described there are a few exceptions like um pure artistic creative expression. But even then, what do you share that with? You have to share that amongst relationships. But, but yeah, I was putting way too much on myself. That was a, that was a big struggle. I thought that I had to do everything myself and I had to, you know, book the guests and edit the shows and, you know, produce everything and do all the marketing and the social media and all that stuff. I think that if you focus on a, what makes you happy, uh, what, what gets you in a flow state, and, and just kind of practice th whatever that is, no matter what that is, practice that what you love and what maybe you could make money off of one, one day while simultaneously cultivating all the relationships you can, all the positive relationships you can, because that's what's going to drive you to the next level. Um, you may be able to find some success by yourself, uh, and there's a small chance you'll find much success, but all the, all the super successful people that I've spoken to in and outside of the cannabis industry, man, it boils down to relationships. 
giving value, truly giving, not giving and keeping score or giving and sending an invoice later, giving value and, um, and seeing what happens out there. I think that karma is, is um, kind of blown into like a mystic force, but I think it's much more mathematical than that. And I think that the result of cultivating those relationships by giving uh, is not only success, but more importantly, satisfaction and happiness. Here, Absolutely. here. Absolutely. So, so what are some of the more, uh, on that here, note, what are some of the more interesting um, topics or guests or maybe things you've learned on the show? Maybe some of the rabbit holes that you've been introduced to? Uh, with Growcast? Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, geez. Well, uh, most recently, uh, Jason Lupoy, Dr. Jason Lupoy from Terpenes and Testing. Holy cow. Terpenes are so cool, man. I'm so fascinated by terpenes. Um, we just did an episode where I said, let's talk about all the crazy stuff they do. And he just really imparted how they do a lot of different things. And I probably, it's, you got to listen to the episode when it drops, subscribe to Growcast. I'm about to butcher something that a doctor said. Um, but one of the things he said is, you know, they're the plant's tools. They use this stuff as, as weaponry and defense mechanisms to attract and repel they don't have limbs and digits. So they use these things as tools. And uh, he just went through all the different terpenes and their medical uh, properties. One of the things that I thought was really cool was um, they talked about forest bathing and alpha pining. So people who do this forest bathing where they purposefully spend extended amounts of time immersed in nature in the forest, usually with little clothes on, um, they actually come back from forest bathing with higher levels of alpha pining in their blood, supposedly. And uh, it shows all sorts of crazy health benefits, man. I mean, we're talking, we're, we're talking antidepressants. And uh, it, it was, it was as if something that the time in nature was as effective as medication for antidepressants and mild antipsychotics. Uh, I was speaking with someone on one of my other podcasts that was talking about that. Dr. Joel Wade is his name. Um, it's crazy, man. I was really fascinated by the forest bathing and the alpha pining. Have you heard about this? No. So I, I, I was super fascinated to hear, to hear about it. And he, uh, he touched on it even more. And I think that's one of the reasons that cannabis is so popular now in 2019 is we're so confined and separated from nature. We live inside the, the drywall boxes, you know, that we call the rooms in our houses and we never get these compounds that, that could be super important to our mental health. I mean, think about this for a second. So it makes sense that if you can get that little dose of nature in a glass pipe, it makes sense that like that would call to you on, on a deeper level. If you're not getting that time in nature, if you're living in an urban environment, or if you spend all day inside podcasting, like I do, um, maybe your body is like yearning for those terpenes that may play a pretty big role in our health and wellness. So absolutely, the the, uh, the the you know the same way that people look at cannabinoids. So you know they're just discovering we need to look at terpenes the same way. And the one thing the it's a double-edged sword though. And I do want to bring this up because I've run into three clients doing consulting that have had this problem. Is that we already have an established allergen table for terpenes. We know that lots of people are specifically allergic to lemonine, lemonine or, or lem regular lemonine or, wow. or, or, or pinene or, you know, XYZ um, oh. or terpenaline. So 
those are documented in food allergies. Okay, so that's we we know about that, but people don't think about those same terpenes being produced in cannabis and then being introduced. So I've met two people that have been uh, like ultra deathly allergic to lemonine that can smoke cannabis but cannot smoke lemonine. Now imagine if you're an uneducated cannabis user and you smoked something that had lemonine and you were allergic to lemonine the first time, you'd think you're deathly allergic to cannabis, even though you might actually need a cannabinoid because you have cancer later in life, or you might have, you know, XYZ cannabinoid deficiency that causes XYZ, you know, medical problem and and, and think that that's not even an option on your your medical, you know. That's super fascinating, man. Um, but I think that you're going to see, especially as you see the, the cannabis movement moving into the general population, I think you're going to see more and more terpene allergies that are more common than we realized, um, you know, because you didn't have that general population or you have people that are allergic to very specific terpene profiles. As we get better at, you know, honing these in, I think you're going to see that. And then, you know, at the same time, you'll be able to get a blood test, I think, in the next 10 to 20 years that will tell you you know, avoid these, go after these, whatever, um, as we get more educated on that. And that's, you know, not now, not even in five years, but I think in 10 or 20, I think we'll be able to get there. And we had Kevin Jodry on the show a couple of months ago, and he was talking about how, how blood tests to figure out what cannabis strains you should get. You know, they could do a blood test to see what, what um, endocannabinoids that you're devoid on and, and so actually cool. recommend you cannabis cultivars based on your bloodstream which is like, you know, ultra, ultra forward thinking and, and where we'll get eventually. But, you know, that science needs, like, we don't even know all the cannabinoids and terpenes that plant can produce yet better, yet better what they do. Uh, or there or and then you have, you know, currently there's what, 230 recognized or 238 recognized cannabinoids and 410 terpenes or something like that in cannabis that we know of. And, and, and we haven't even combined all of them, not to mention documented all the ones that are, you know, not present post drying or whatever else. You know, there, there's so much science that needs to be done with this plant. You know, who knows? There might, you know, maybe the cure from cancer only comes from live rosin. You know, we don't know that, but it could, you know, like oh, that's, a good is, point. that's what's so, so trippy is because some of these you know, cannabinoids and terpenes only exist for, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours because the way they have to be. You know, I have to have this cannabinoid and this terpene broken down into the oxidized state that then combines with one that's not to make a third chemical that happens to cure XYZ or give relief for XYZ or cause a severe allergic reaction. Um, That's also why it's extremely dangerous when you have people adding in terpenes from non-cannabis plants, lavender, um, you know, all this other shit you get in the vape pens. Um, I don't, not so much in the older markets, but in some of the newer vape pens, they have the added terpenes that from non-cannabis stuff. Well, what there's zero documentation on what happens when those terpenes break down into their, 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 their compounds, but then recombine with some of the other cannabinoids and terpenes. And we know for a fact that some cannabinoid groups are deadly lethal. So like it, it, it really is a matter of time before someone mixes the wrong stuff and makes something accidentally that tastes and smells wonderful, but, you know, will put you in the hospital. And, that's and that's, crazy, that's what man. scares the shit out of me is especially with people putting in stuff from, cal- you know, other plants. Like it's, it's one thing we, we have everything documented with cannabis that says that it's safe. 
But if we're going to be start combining stuff from outside of cannabis, we don't have any scientific knowledge on that. And, and that's not an un, that's not a paranoid like conspiracy theorist. That's legit science concern that that has a lot of science behind it. I mean, look at the we talked about this on the show with um, was it Kevin McKernan? I think it was um, where, where they did that cannabis or was it Mike West? One of the two of them. They were on the same week. Uh, I think maybe it was Mike West. Actually, I think it was. It was Mike. Yeah, yeah, Mike. I'm Mike. sure Mike. If you're not listening now, you'll be listening in uh, in the, the recorded version. Shout out, Mike. Much love. Um, uh, hopefully, see you before too long. Um, but uh, uh, he was talking about how they did that, that test in Spain with 32 patients, and what was it? 12, 12 of them are permanently injured. Six of them died, and and only one of them had no side effects from a synthetic cannabinoid. So. You know, again, this is really dangerous territory and people need to take it seriously and there's no regulation behind it and no one's even talking about the dangers of it. And it scares the shit out of me because we have enough uphill battle. The same reason why I'm, I'm super against CBN isolate um, edibles. CBN isolate edibles are incredible for pain relief. Someone's coming out of surgery or can't sleep and tremendous pain and back pain. That's awesome. Take one. It's also going to be highly abused as a date rape drug that has very little taste and can make someone incapacitated for an extremely long time. The cannabis industry has enough of an uphill battle. We don't need wow. to be known as the next new, new GHB. You know, we, we, this yeah. is the kind of shit that we have to have adult real discussions with. And we've got to stop thinking about profits and go, hey, this could actually bring our whole industry down or, or regulatory you know, scrutiny that we do not want to deal with. And we need to take this seriously and treat it in an adult way and say, hey, look, CBN isolates should be kept in the realm of prescription drugs. I don't think anyone would disagree with that because the potential of abuse is way too high. That's crazy, man. I've never even thought of that. And yeah, you're right, because I mean, these are potent compounds. This all started with terpenes, you know, like and like you said, all the different combinations, right? Hundreds and hundreds of different combinations and also how they change during the process. So. You think about, you know, how many combinations 52 cards in a deck can make and how many different combinations can be made from the 200 and whatever cannabinoids and 400 some terpenes. Yeah, man. And that scares me to hear educated people like you say that <laughs> because like, if you're scared, then that gets me scared. So <laughs> hopefully well, someone's going to listen to you. It's the amount of recklessness too. And then the other thing too. So like, what's also funny is so like everyone's heard about like the algae or or, or yeast-based cannabinoid and terpene production, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how like everyone's going to produce CBGA and they're going to just stop doing it on plants, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's cool and all like from a scientific standpoint, here's the problem from a chemistry <laughs> standpoint. And anyone that's done cart, any, any cart chemistry is going to immediately know what I'm talking about. When you start combining uh, terpenes and cannabinoids without knowing the exact ratios they will crystallize, precipitate, emulsify, do all kinds of things that are unpredictable. And in, in even if you're off by like 0.1%, they can have a radical difference on how, it, how viscous the, the final solution is. And if you're in a vape pen, that can be a huge problem, uh, depending on what it is that you're trying to go after and the type of device you're trying to use it in. So this is why like, yeah, they in theory could do that. But the amount of R&D they'd have to do to get to a point where they can document that to have a viable, you know, still liquid product that tastes good and is repeatable. Like 
they're going to have to spend millions of dollars in R and D to get to the point. Like I, if someone has the money, could go for it, but it's not going to happen. Not as simple, right? It's not as simple as printing these cannabinoids and terpenes out of these microbes and then just putting them together in a Petri dish. It doesn't work that way. Like, like that's what a lot of these bankers, and that's the difference between a banker and an investor and a, gro- I'm sorry, and a grower and, and an extractor. You know what I mean? Like, that there, there's just some things that you're just not going to do. And then, uh, you know, another one that's been a big controversy is like the phyllo stuff. Well, the phyllo stuff is cool, but they don't know how to make those genes activate to replicate that, that genome, right? So they don't know what soil conditions and what microbes they were exposed to to get that genome expression to make that terpene expression happen. Like oh, terpene, that's fascinating. Right? Yeah. So, so when they have a lot of the data, they're missing half of the the puzzle they don't like they half the box like they don't have a box but they have the puzzle pieces wow. <laughs> and, and all the puzzle pieces are black <laughs> <laughs> wow man i've never heard it put that way that's that's really interesting so they have some sort of guide but as far as the genetic expressions they're going to be completely varied depending on if you grew it in a super soil or if you grew it like shit well like, so that's that a great example and this is one that i have never shared publicly but at this point like if somebody else hasn't stumbled upon this yet i'd be floored but for a great example, if I want to slam my THCV levels, okay, THCV is one of the precursors that helps boost THCV production in a cultivar that is will produce it. Obviously, you have to have that that prerequisite. Wow. But if you take a cultivar that produces THCV, and I water stress that to the point where the plant, every time that I water that plant through its entire life cycle, it wilts first where I actively shows leaf droop before I water it every single time that will boost um, THCV levels, at least in all the research I've done between 18% and 35%. Damn. Fucking huge. But if I'm just studying the genome of a plant that I've done that to, I might see incredible THCV expression, Fuck if you could tell that you needed to do that exact thing. I see. Wow. From the genome. See what I'm saying? Like you would never know. You might go, wow, that genome is the best producing THCV cultivar I've ever seen. And you take a bunch of clones of it and go plant it. And it doesn't do shit because you didn't do the water stressing. And, 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 or, you know, it comes up 30% less than mine because you didn't do the water stressing. Now, how do you, you can't read that from genetic data. Wow. So, so, so this is the st- this is the reason why you have people that are making grandiose claims to investors, and and they're just completely full of shit and don't understand what they're talking about. And, and and it's just it's it's if you're educated, it's comical, but it's scary because <laughs> so much money's being passed around on it. Because there's yeah billions of dollars are changing hands, and it's based on a lot of it's based on pure bullshit or people's That's lack crazy. of education on the science of what they're trying to invest in. That's nuts, man. And that's just this very simplified example that I think everyone can wrap their heads around, but that's, that's, you know, imagine if you're, fi- we'll use phyllo. Imagine if you're phyllos, how many different grow conditions do they actually have that were submitted? Thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even, you know, and you don't know any of that. So, so while it's cool and all that they have that, how useful is it really? That's a really good point, man. Cause yeah, the, I, and I've never heard pushback. That's always just been like a horror story, you know, a cannabis horror story. And you're saying maybe it's not 
maybe it's not so bad what they have, or at least so valuable what they have. Not so it's it's bad what they did, from what I can tell. Oh, but at least maybe it's not super right. Yeah, mis mis intentionally misleading breeders was horrible. But at the same time, like they really don't have the treasure chest that they think they have yeah. because they're missing half of how to make that genome do what it is that they can see. You see it's the growers in the way the method can't replicate it. Yeah, they can't replicate that genome unless they know how to activate all those individual genes. And if you if you show me a human being that knows how to activate all the you like I got, you know, I'll sell you, you know, coastal coast side, you know, beachfront property in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That file of shit is crazy. No, but that's that's the re like I've gone through that. Like, if you anyone who's listened to the shows known, I've covered that Philo situation, you know, as in depth as humanly possible with with people that really knew what they were talking about. Um, you know, we had Beth from Open Cannabis Project. We had Dale Hunt. Both of them formerly worked with Open Cannabis Project, which was funded by Philos and a whole bunch of other people. Um, so. Um, you know, we, we really, we had a whole a panel of experts on a couple of different occasions talking about, you know, and lawyers and all kinds of stuff, specifically talking about, you know, the whole situation. That was really, once I got finally educated on it and on the science, especially Kevin McKernan really educated me on how little they actually have. Like, yes, they're a big, scary thing. And they, re what they represent and could represent is, is scary and horrible. And we should react this way. But in practice, they really kind of are blue. Like they're stumbling around in the dark like idiots and they don't really have the data that they claim to have because, you know, again, they, they might have the genome for it and, and maybe they can even replicate that, but they can't get that, that terpene profile to match up and replicate, which if you can't do that, you don't have anything. Mm -hmm. But that, that's the other reason why it's so hard to patent chemovars. That's why the, the um, chemovar uh, patent for... Um, um, the CBD medication got denied uh, for um, Epidiolex. Epidolex, yep. Or Epidiolex. So, so let me ask you this, man. All this stuff that you just said, uh, in the past four or five topics you've just mentioned, this is all, these are all things that worry you or scare you. It seems to me as a result of the speed of which this thing is moving, um, the way you slow down the progression and, and that speed is through regulation, which is not something we really want at this point. We just broke free of that. What can we focus on during so, this tumultuous transition? Hold on. This is a long-winded question. You've been on my show. You know my questions go longer than that, Stephen. Uh, what can we focus on in this tumultuous time that will most ensure that, that this doesn't turn into a shit show. And may I, may I put it up the for, uh, at the forefront, Growcast's maybe number one mission is protecting the home grow laws, the answer to this, so at least we have that back door at all times? So, so I think really the best thing for us to do, because I've spent a lot of time talking with Beth Schechter, uh, formerly of Open Cannabis Project, on this exact question. What now? The cat's out of the bag. Shit's hit the fan. Everyone's panicking. What do we do to protect ourselves? Because I think that's the number one thing. And I think the number one thing is putting, coming together and putting out standardized language that can be used and adopted in everyone's contracts for both consulting, breeding, uh, genetics, and coming up with something like a, uh, like a version of LegalZoom, but for cannabis that wow. has 
like open source open source language that that is very protective of the breeder that can be shared and just widely mass distributed so everyone can use it that is also will hold up in court and be good legalese like like done you know so that we have uh, something we can hold up say hey oh you need to protect yourself here use this contract this holds up in court this has been backed by lawyers and this will keep you protected as far as we're aware in the current you know you can only protect as far as you're aware currently which is all you can ever hope for but as best as we can probably pull off. And I think by working with a couple of people and finding them some funding and, and group pooling funding um, to get some of these documents drafted by lawyer groups is really going to be our way forward. I think if we can set together you know, a group where we can donate to someone like Dale Hunt and the law firm that he represents, some of the others that are willing to donate a large percentage of time for free, as long as they can at least keep a roof over their head and for a little bit of money, they'll, you know, they'll give you, you know, for 25 hours, they'll give you a hundred, you know what I mean? Like those kinds of guys are, you know, they're really passionate about it and trying to make a big difference and, 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 you know, put their money where their mouth is to help us. And there aren't many people out there that do that. So big shout out to Dale Hunt and his firm and all the hard work that they do. If you're looking for a great lawyer that can help you draft stuff, you know, definitely go to him. Um, you know, he's really taken the time. I mean, he's a, he's spent, eight hours on this show alone answering people's questions on, on stuff like no lawyers don't do that like, like, you know come on so so that that i think you know getting teaming up with lawyers that care and, and putting out proper legal documents that can be used as template documents for people's contracts and, and in a way or, or sections of contracts that people can copy and paste into their their final agreements that i think is the actionable easiest way to make the largest impact after putting a lot of time into this we could rant rave we could go to regulations we could do all this other bullshit but at the same time if we have all of the good breeders and all the craft growers and all the people making the good genetics with a standardization of good legal protections what's the market going to do they don't have an option they have to deal with this and they have to go through our pocketbooks to do it you know that we get paid at the end of the day rather than forcing ourselves out Nice. I got to ask another part that people don't think about, you know, you could make a great solution, but you might have that great solution push you completely right out. And you don't want to do that either. I wanted to ask you something now that we're on the subject, because I was just speaking with someone. I, I, I do too many podcasts. so I forget exactly who it was, but they were talking about, Oh, I know who it was. It was uh, Alan from Strainly, uh, Strainly.io. Um, interesting guy, interesting company. And uh, he was talking about a couple of different really cool things. But one of the things he was talking about was, and I'm kind of talking out of my ass here. So I, was just, I just want to tee you up to see if you know what I'm talking about, because I don't know much about law or genetic breeding, to be honest. But uh, he talked about switching from like a patenting model to a licensing model for yes. growers. Can you, can you kind of touch on that? Absolutely. So I, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. So, so the difference between patenting and licensing is a patent means that you're you have to hold it, use it, defend it, do all this other shit. Whereas with the licensing stuff, it gives you a way to like do all of those things, but like monetize it while you're doing it the whole time, <laughs> like in a far easier way than trying to find a single contract. That seems far simplified. I don't want to be rude on your show, but that seems very simplified. <laughs> the other cool thing with the licensing is that like I can license it and say, hey, like. I want everyone to grow it except for like Aurora and Canopy and Phylos. Like fuck anybody that oh, works that's cool. them and it can be licensed to anyone else. So you can use it just as like a, 
So you could even patent a strain, license it, and say everyone can use it except for canopy growth, or everyone can use it except for my, you know, my my ex-wife's husband's company, or like whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever stupid, whoever you got a gripe against, you can you can absolutely legally write that out and you know whatever you want to do. I don't like anyone that wears purple shirts. Like well, I don't know whatever it is that you're after. Interesting. Um, so you're pro, uh, you're for this idea. This model. Oh yeah. So I think that's our big, because imagine this, right? So like, say I find like the next Charlotte's web or the next ACDC or the next whatever. Right. And like, I want to be able, and I, I can patent it, um, but they could always claim that they had a thing or whatever. But if I have it licensed and suddenly I immediately give it, you know, write quick license contracts and give it to eight separate breeders. And then they go and try to make some bullshit ass claim. Now I got eight breeders to back me up and contracts to go with it so that becomes a much messier legal battle if i have to go defend it in court for them oh, wow. okay. so this goes back into putting more um you know coins in your purse when it comes down to a court battle you, you need you want to be the one with the bigger purse strings so and, and this is not talking about financial cash i'm talking about the ability to back your ass up with paperwork and, and documentation so i think that that to me is why it makes more sense to do it that way because if, it, if you do get to a nasty court fight you kind of can go back and say hey well i already have this relationship with all these other dudes that are producing these genetics under a licensed agreement you know this guy's violating it and you know that's a pretty simple thing license agreements for 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 that kind of stuff in other industries is pretty cut and dry there's established law there's no bullshit you know that, that it's not treated differently because it's cannabis that's cool man that's fucking cool so you're down in Oklahoma. Are you battling it out down there on subjects like this or what? Uh, um, Oklahoma is basically trying to get people to take um, the regulatory structure seriously. We have another round of regulatory stuff coming on the 29th and trying to hit people over the heads with, with the uh, reality mallets on and, and explaining to people that if you're not in state compliance, that you're suddenly also in federal violation having to have that conversation and people just not realizing that like, that's a thing. Uh, and then just dealing with people that haven't worked in the, like anyone that's worked in the black market, I don't have to tell them that they need to think about every legal liability when they do something at the grow. The people that don't haven't done that I've noticed and doing consulting and working on my own growth, people that haven't had that background, will make stupid mistakes or not think about things in a way that in terms of liability or make really reckless decisions that are not based on liability and not thinking about the legal ramifications because they haven't, they, they didn't, how do you, and this is, if someone can answer this to me, I will like pay you a hundred dollars. Um, so here's a challenge. Um, how do I quantify to someone that has never grown in the black market the level of seriousness <laughs> to someone growing in the white market in terms of like following the paperwork to a T there just, there isn't, you, you did it or you didn't like, it's an emotion, not, oh, um, it, it's, it's not even like a, a, something you can teach it's something that you did or you had, you didn't. And I, I don't know how to bridge that gap. Right. I would suggest maybe mock execution. Well, I wouldn't suggest mock execution. <laughs> I would I would suggest not mock execution. No, but real. It, but it might work if you did. So. <laughs> oh man! And then just in Oklahoma, dealing with people that like don't know they need to turn plants to twelve twelve. Seen that a couple times. 
dealing with like um, consulting on some grows that had run into septoria. Septoria is not something we ever run into on the coast. Mm. That's a new disease that I've ever seen before. Um, talk about that, would you? What's that? Can you talk about it? Just, just sure. So septoria is a leaf spot that's generally it's it's been caused pretty heavily because of the flooding up here. We had so much water and so much flooded fields that it's caused perfect sporulating conditions for the for the um, septoria. So septoria has been spreading a lot of the hemp growers, a lot of the CBD growers, and wow. doing large scale field crop. Um, I know a guy that has it across three quarters of an acre um, right now, and it's one of those things where if you hit it hard and early, you can mitigate it with trichoderma and Bacillus pomilus and Bacillus subtilis and um, Streptomyces. You know, you hit them kind of with a combo um, and you can beat it back. But if you don't find it, like if you let it progress to a certain point before you, you realize it, it'll be a vector for Fusarium and a bunch of others and you'll lose the crop. So wow. it's one of the things where it, it itself is rarely like a crop killer, but it will allow secondary infections that can become crop killers. Um, but it's, it's, it's yellow spotted leaf spot. So like if you've done tomatoes or peppers or other or lettuce uh, leaf spot, it's called septoria, yellow leaf spotting, um, generally caused by anaerobic soil conditions or, you know, just ludicrous spore conditions, which, you know, some of these grows were, you know, underwater or, you know, right next to a property that was underwater. Wow. So, you know, it, that's crazy. You kind of had the perfect weather conditions for it for months and months and months. And, you know, you can only have that for so long before you run into something. Nice. That's cool, man. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just been something I've And then just learning about new, new beneficial insects, um, learning what wheel bugs are, learning what robber flies are, learning what stuff that, you know, stuff that eats other bugs that I've ever run into. Um, but thankfully, nice. you know, it's been so hot. We haven't really done out much with powdery mildew or black mold, but fusarium and uh, botrytis and um, septilis or uh, septoria, I'm sorry. Uh, I've seen um, like quite a few different grows in Oklahoma doing some consulting on the side, uh, just all over, just because of the flooding. I think I really do think it had to do a lot with the flooding and just having like just genuinely perfect conditions. And then the fact that like how many honest, like honest to God, how many people in cannabis have run into septoria that was like severe enough to like have to do something about it. Like I've, I've seen septoria one other time in my life in cannabis. And it was so mild of an infection. It was like, yeah, whatever. Like it's a little unsightly, but it's not doing it. It's not going to hurt the yield. So fuck it. Like it, it's wow. benign. Or at least the one that I saw the first time. So, but yeah, that's been large part of it. And then just dealing with a bunch of people that had no education on cannabis that, that are diving headlong and, you know, spending half a million dollars or a million dollars on a facility with, without knowing the need to put the plant to 12, 12. Wow, man. your your life must be crazy. I'm so jealous of where you're at, man. I have to admit, you're like <laughs> I'm jealous of your uh, your like cannabis lifestyle, going from grow to grow. These people are these people are crazy jumping into this. Why are they jumping in? Is it are they do they see dollar signs? Are they passionate? I when I talk to people, I try to stay optimistic. They seem passionate. They seem like the CBD helps someone in their family. They also seem like they want to get rich but I'm cool with that, man. I get it. This is America, but, um, I see passion in these people. Why, why are they doing what you just described? There's, there's two reasons I've seen over and over and over again. One, like you're saying a family member that's had a life changing event that that's 
that's really made a, a, a big impact on, that's probably 20 to 30% of them. The other 70% of them are farmers that have been kicked in the teeth by Trump or the oil Whoa. industry crash that Damn. are looking for another income source. Um, like one of those two things, either the oil prices having gone down significantly in the last two or three years and the oil jobs kind of drying up. And then these guys having lots of farmland and then the truck, the tariffs, these guys get like soy and stuff. These guys are fucked. So they're trying to find, they see this as like a really cash crop, like a huge cash crop to them. And they, they're great farmers. They're really good plant growers. They just know nothing about cannabis. And, and it's, it's, they're, they're treating it like a tomato or a pepper because that's what their farm buddy told them and, and, and failing miserably in, in some cases. Uh, other guys are crushing it. Like some of the guys are just doing really well. There's a couple of guys I met out in Oklahoma City that are country bunkins, first time growers and, and actually took a little bit of education and they're killing it. Man. Like some of these guys are, are, are really doing great. Like I, I don't want to be thinking that, you know, or, or speaking that like everyone's negative out here and doing bad. Like that is not at all the case. Um, but, but definitely I would say there's more people doing it wrong than doing it right. I would say, no. wow. <laughs> that's wild, man. But yeah. I think you're going to see like every other state that legalizes, you're going to see 60 to 70% of these people either bankrupt or, or not utilizing their licenses after the first year. Jeez. Talk to me more about this first harvest. Like I know there are people who are praying that their THC levels are low enough, or at least that's what I read. I don't know if that was just a headline. But, uh, you know, like, what is this first harvest going to show? Is there going to be a big surplus? What's going to happen to the market? So one, I think the same, like going back to what I was saying earlier about the septoria and the fusarium, I think you're going to, especially now that state testing starts on the 29th, you're going to see, I would say 40% of the stuff that's submitted from outdoor, maybe even 60% of the stuff from outdoor failing testing or more. Um, and then finding its ways to nearby states, I'm sure, um, wow. uh, through one way or another. Um, but uh, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. I think you're going to see a ton of people that grew a lot of weed that is is unsellable in, in white markets. I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. I, I've seen so many. I, right now, we have a dispensary done in Glenpool uh, called Kind Alternative, if anyone wants to come down and check it out. Um, and, uh, we reject, we have people bring us weed all the time. We reject 90, 95% of the stuff that comes through that wow. door. Most that's of it's not cured. We have stuff that's moldy that gets brought in on a regular basis. Stuff that's just, people don't know what they're doing. Like they're growing weed, harvesting it. It looks good to them, but they don't know what they're looking at. They're bringing it in and it's like, Oh my God, get this out of my store. That's crazy. Who you, you have someone whose job it is to tell, 19 out of 20 people your your bud has mold get out of here and they're like what the fuck man that's that's got to be a brutal job but we also so if they don't have terpene and cannabinoid testing we've been doing terpene and cannabinoid testing day one um so if we buy if we have a pound and it's fire we'll get it tested in-house uh you know and then they're not in-house but by a third party you know we'll test it through the dispensary um, by a third-party company and then post that. So every single thing in our store is full terpene and cannabinoid uh, profiles. We're one of the only stores in all of Tulsa uh, and, um, that has you know full terpene and cannabinoid profiles for the, the whole you know, product line, whereas most stores don't. And you're just focusing on that quality. It really is the way to send out in the market, especially in the newer markets. It's going and treat it like it's Oregon, treat it like it's Canada, and, and ignore everyone else's bullshit. 
Do you find anybody is leveraging the organic label? I saw, I was recently in Vegas and I saw that there's a couple companies that claim that they're fully organically grown uh, cannabis products. And I'm thinking that that could really be a big selling point and be the next, you know, hot thing if, if we can popularize it. Do you see that anywhere? No, that's really a more mature market thing. Um, having gone through a bunch of different markets, I mean, I've gone through Colorado, California, Oregon, Jamaica, and Canada's legalization movements now. And it's, it's more of a mature market thing. Like, you're not going to see that, like, right now, like, good luck selling diamonds. Like, try to explain the diamonds to, like, a 60-year-old grandma and, like, that she needs to go buy a dab rig. Good luck with that. Like, not, like straight up, like yeah. you know, I'm going to break out a blowtorch and show grandma how to use a dab <laughs> rig. So you, you have this, like, there isn't an appreciation for high end concentrate. There are for, you know, there's this five, 10% of us that appreciate it and know what we're talking about. But um, the, the, the consumer market is, is light years behind in, in the middle of the country and on the East coast, you, your, your consumer education is, is so much poorer that it, it, you're not, how am I supposed to explain to a lady she's going to spend $20 more for an eight or $10 more for an eight because it's organic and whatever else when she's a conservative. Yeah. Not toting person who thinks the climate control or climate change is a hoax. Like, good luck with that. Like, again, it's just wrong market. Like it's not, maybe in Oklahoma City, but not in Tulsa. Like Tulsa is definitely a more liberal market than Oklahoma City in a lot of ways. But, or, you know, socially but it's not again going back to consumer education it's going to be two or three years before that people are really demanding that um you just that's not too long i mean that seems like a long time now but i feel like that stuff happens fast and like you said always blows out from the urban areas right like that's where this sort of thing popularizes and i think it moves relatively like you know if you think think relative to history moves pretty quickly so in a couple years hopefully that'll be that'll be more popular. And hopefully that trend is on the rise. Like the speed at which that it spreads will increase. I hope um, yeah. as it becomes more and more cool. I mean, Amazon just bought whole foods, right? <laughs> it's like, it's getting big, man. It's like pie. It's, it's in the news. I feel like. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so. there's, there's, I really do. Think, and that's one of the reasons why the dispensary, we have a whole back section for education. It's not finished yet, but we have a whole stage and everything set up in the back. We're going to have, at consumer education because that's what's the number one enemy of our, of our industry with the number one enemy of the dispensary education so if we can bring people in and give them free education you know at a place where they could buy something at the end of the, the thing if they decide to that's the best way to do it you know yeah absolutely uh, if you had a dispensary you could go to to get seminars from really awesome people why would you go to a different dispensary <laughs> that's really cool man. <laughs> i like it a lot i like that you're deep in it like you're Let's just say you don't. You probably don't look like the average Tulsa, Tulsaite. I mean, uh, you you must stand out. You're just down there, just accepting everybody as they are and kicking it and trying to do your best to educate people. I love that, man. Let me oh just yeah. Say that. I will say it's a little bit funny. I, I the only convers- heated conversation I've had so far with any of the Southerners, I had trying to convince this guy that using KNF methods would mitigate his soil crop. Uh, soil problems post flood uh, was pretty entertaining. This guy was really angry trying to convince him that labs like using fermented milk was going to make a big difference. And he told me I was fucking crazy. <laughs> I, was talking, I should take my bullshit back to California. 
I was like, dude, there's science to this. Like, not a little science, like a lot of science. Like, come on, man. Did you get it? Did you get through to him? Oh, uh, he apologized the next day and he took 20 gallons of lab. So I, I don't know if he used it or not, but he took the lab. <laughs> That's really funny, man. That's a good story. But you did answer my question. You seem to just be, why don't you just stay home like uh, all the other growers and, and bitch about how everyone else's philosophy is wrong and not try to help people. I like your method better is I'm, I'm being facetious. Well, like, well, like, so, so I could sit around and say the, like, I get really angry at like the, the religion of, of organic versus the science of organic. I've gone wow. on like, like so, so the first time I ever spoke to a big soil crowd, I spoke and I won't mention who it is because I think he's even been on the show and I don't want to speak ill of him, but there's a gentleman I spoke before me at, and I was at this big soil conference. I won't mention it, I'll leave it all anonymous, but um, went to this big soil conference and I was the only non-soil guy and this guy went up and basically said like anything that isn't soil is blasphemy. <laughs> and I was like, I came on after him and I was like, I'm going to convince you guys that of the impossible. I'm going to attempt to I'm going to attempt to convince you guys more to organics, just soil. And the half the room laughed. And, and, uh, and then I did my whole spiel and I realized like, we actually have way more in common than we do, than we don't. And that we're both doing these super probiotic, you know, microbially dominated methods, especially with aquaponics. So, you know, I'm not going to speak on hydro, but on aquaponics, we do everything. Like we treat our water the way that those guys treat their soil. Like we're trying to get, all these microbes to grow in our water it's just it's not soil it's aquatic wow. soil so so that's the only difference and, and and the more i learn from them and the more i interact with the, the soil guys the more i adapt methodologies even if i don't take the same microbes or do the exact thing same thing i'm thinking about how i can do that same type of mi microbe replication or microbial boosting or 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 using those things in a way to stimulate terpene production or or whatever in that same kind of method methodology so I, i'm really grateful for that soil crowd but at the same time there's a lot of people that that preach certain parts of organic that are just bullshit and just done for the sake of tradition with no science to them and nothing to back them up and just like the fact that people say organics has to be connected to the earth um because of like whatever frequency or other dude come on there there's that's all bullshit you know that you know that i know that <laughs> The earth does not have a magic frequency of XYZ bullshit that was invisible to all of us. Scientists would have recognized it by now with all the electronic so software, all the sensory equipment, all the Wi-Fi and everything else. We would have figured it out or disrupted it to the point where it affected plant growth, one or the other. So, <laughs> so, like, like, so we can discount that, right? So, so, so you think that it's the, it's the problem is the, dog, the dogma? Yes, the dogma, yes. Whereas that's what's really nice about Joshua Rutherford and his conference and the, and the speakers that he runs is that he brings people on that that are the science and, you know, Elaine Ingham, Susan Maynard Evans, Chris Trump, people out there doing the science on this stuff that know what the hell they're talking about and then aren't full of shit and aren't just making stuff up because it feels good. And because like, I don't know, some hippie told them on the top of a mountain, like when they're in California, like. <laughs> like 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 girls putting period blood on plants no don't do that i've seen that happen times with girls in what california putting period blood on their plant okay first off let's explain why that's stupid like aside from the biohazard part let's explain <laughs> why the chemistry is stupid iron from blood 
is going to immediately oxidize when exposed to air, oxygen, and become Fe3, which is da, 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 not usable by plants. Um, so <laughs> it's not even plant beneficial. You're just doing it and making your plant smell bad. That's brutal. Um, don't do that. Not gonna lie. Um, so okay, like this is, question, kind of, this is the kind of organic though. hippie bullshit. That's the perfect time to introduce the new guest. I have a question time. Yeah, yeah. Great time to talk, right? I came in perfect time to talk about, yeah. And to argue with Stephen, to argue the other point we now have. Counterpoint. (laughs) Okay, so I do have a question, though. They do talk about giving blood meal. So what's the difference between blood meal and blood? Some people might know that. Not Blood meal has been cooked down in a furnace, and which breaks down a lot of the different compounds and allows you to still have some fe2 left um it gets processed significantly different um you know one of them is you know, if you're not bringing them up to high temperature i mean in theory you could take a bunch of tampons and cook them if you wanted to be a fuck you know weirdo but <laughs> okay but don't okay so how how do so feminist some feminist <laughs> dispensary co-op in san francisco or something but I have heard of them like actually taking like cow's blood or goat's blood if they've butchered something and pouring <laughs> it into the soil and it's supposed yes, to feed that, the soil. So it's completely that's nothing. No, that's bullshit. Well, that's good to know. Thanks. Cheers, everybody out there, by the way. And <laughs> yeah. nice to meet you, I'm Tara. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> well, Hi, Roger. I've... Hi, Steve. <laughs> we, we've held you for about an hour and 15. Uh, you need to get rolling or... Uh... Oh, uh, I've got a little bit longer if you'll have me. Um, yeah, I got about, I got 15 minutes here. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm having a lot of fun. I was worried that I was, I, <laughs> I like made an off color joke earlier and I was worried that I was going to, but it seems like this is good. We're talking about slaughtering Order. animals, you know, yeah. we're talking about, you know, period blood. blood. This is really, <laughs> this is, yeah. Now you got a good title for the episode. That's, on that's, the good, rag. that's good SEO. <laughs> if I, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Covering our bases, though. <laughs> full the, circle. It's regenerative. Recording. Full circle. Full cycle, yes. if you will. <laughs> hey, can y'all hear me now? <laughs> full cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going full cycle. Can you hear me now? Oh, my God. The plant man is back. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that all of a sudden my mic went out. Every time I tried to say something, y'all just talked over me and I finally figured out you can't hear me at all. All right. You, somebody, you guys are too nice of guys to go, yeah, screw him. We'll just keep talking when he's trying to say something. And, and then I finally, I said, so remember earlier, sorry, I don't mean to screw up the podcast, Been a great show. You know, I've actually got to listen to the whole thing. You know, I felt bad. I was going to say something. I was like, I feel like Roger's really quiet, but I, I don't want to butt in. And I saw the chat was going off, so I, I just, I just stayed back. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Y'all did great. You because I like it when you said it too, and I, I liked it when you called out Steve earlier and you said, "Hey, uh, you know that you." I got a longer question. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, Steve had a longer answer too. I saw that Steve got you back in the answer too. <laughs> That's how I do it. Long way. <laughs> that was cool as shit. I'm all right. So what I had to do is unplug everything, and I'm going through my laptop. And I used to hate that because uh, I, I can't get it as loud. But we had a question. Are you looking chat. at questions in chat, brother? Yes. Yeah, is um, would you take a clone from a female plant that hermaphrodized that would the clone? Be, oh. Uh, Okay, would you take a clone from a female plant that hermaphrodized? What would the clone be? 
the clone would also hermaphrodite. Um, yeah. If those genetics are predisposed and just to get into that a little more. So cannabis originally before humans started fucking with it was always hermaphroditic. <laughs> Yeah. Can, uh, humans actually selectively bred cannabis out to be a sex plant. There's genetic um, evidence for that going yeah. back at least 14,000 years that humans are responsible for that change. That's why, and, and that has not happened. And, and Southeast Asian um, cannabis in particular was not cultivated anywhere near as long uh, artificially as other ones. That's the reason why you see like in Thai varieties, Cambodian varieties, uh, Indonesian varieties, they tend to hermaphrodite significantly higher rates, like way higher rates, because your Southeast Asian stuff was not cultivated anywhere near as long as um, you know stuff from the rest of Asia and Europe, because they used so much so much more heavily for sales and boats and cargo and transport and, and just commerce. Um, so uh, whereas Southeast Asia, they used palm leaves for a long time and other there was other plants they used that wasn't cultivated as long. The, the genetic stability of that is not the same um so that's that's actually the reason why you have um have that but hermaphroditic traits are actually a result of of that plant trying to prevent local extinction the plant if it's a female and lives too long it knows its life is pretty short so it wants to produce female pollen um so that it doesn't go uh, extinct regionally so that that's the whole purpose of that mechanism but humans are the reason why it actually doesn't harm in the first place yeah, because back in the day before humans were interjecting or, or, or screwing it up, like you said, it grew naturally. Just It yeah. just grew naturally. The only way it would live flower, was to yeah. be hermaphroditic, you know, so. Yep. No, it originally had a perfect flower, and humans have selectively bred that out for the most part. Yeah. I love that, man. I love learning cannabis history. It seems like you're pretty well versed on it. Can I, can I ask you something? Sure. Um, <laughs> so we know that well, let me ask you, genetically, have we found out where cannabis originated? Where, Because I know yeah. our oldest evidence is in Europe, supposedly with the Czech rope, no. but genetically, no. no? No? No, no. It actually predated that far, farther, far, farther back. I mean, as far as evidence, but, uh, yes, but yes, yeah. Yes. So okay. genetically, they taste it back to the steppes of Tibet. Right. That's So um, Mongolia, China, that yeah. whole, the, the Russian steppe, right? Yeah, that's where it started, and they think it came down then through the, the Silk Road or, you know, some similar type of trade route back in the day mm -hmm. um, down into Europe. And, right, and, that's my you know, understanding as well, via the horse people like the Scythians and all their ancestors and all that. So here's my question to you. Um, all those years ago, so many years ago, the Bering Strait was still a thing. Uh, you know what I mean? You could, you could walk from Asia to North America, right? Yeah. yeah. All the cannabis history I read is that cannabis didn't come to America until fucking white people brought it. And I don't buy that. There's an exception to that. Yeah, I don't yeah. buy it either. There's an Aztec um, uh, temple. There's two separate Aztec temples, if memory serves me correctly, that actually where they found uh, cannabis and uh, content. And there's also they found cocaine or not cocaine, but coca leaf residue. Whoa. and Egyptian uh, tombs. And they think that there could actually have been an African South American trade route that was trading, you know, plants in particular um, because they found traces and tombs of those separate plants in places that are where previously they were thought to have not. Um, there's wow. also, there was the uh, uh, Anunnaki What's the ones that used to live that have the giant stone heads in South America? They look like black people. Um, 
Yeah, I think the Anunnaki are the lizard people, so I'm not sure if it's the Anunnaki. Um, <laughs> but uh, 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 I, don't, I don't know. Arawak are the native Jamaicans. Um, uh, anyways, uh, Joe Rogan talked about him on his podcast, but there's a, as a, a, a civilization that predates the Aztecs and the rest of them by a long time, like, like uh-huh. way, way long. And they have these giant heads that they carved, but the heads have features of an African person. So what they think is highly likely, there's not a whole lot of geological evidence, but it, it could be that there was African uh, people that came over on boats, of course, then traded or went back and forth a couple of times. We have some um, biological evidence in terms of plant material, but beyond that, we don't have a whole lot of archaeological evidence. But we do know that there was plants that were traded that weren't supposed to have been traded for another 3,000 years, um, and we have the evidence for it. So, so clearly crazy, it happened. Man. That's so fascinating. And it could this have been is... aliens. They came down with their spaceship, you know, aliens. Yeah, that's well, definitely you, you brought it, Egypt. You brought Egyptians into the equation, and the pyramids were built by, you know, aliens <laughs> says the plant man according to some people <laughs> oh yeah. hi tara i couldn't say hi earlier by the way you do have the you do have that coral that was it the coral castle in in florida <laughs> when the guys claimed to have discovered the knowledge of the egyptians and there is well-documented government documented evidence the gentleman moved an entire castle made of coral in one night and that has been documented by the local police department what? Well, I got to say too, well, as another theory, birds have always flown everywhere, and birds are the reason we get stuff. Storms are the reason we get things. You know, right? Or, or, you know, so you know, we can talk about the humans being able to walk from USA to you know, to, or America to Russia, or from point. wherever the, the any of the other the Bering Strait or whatever. But you can also have to consider that birds will fly continental. You know. So if they come and poop in an area and it starts growing cannabis, you know, then the, like the Aztecs or something discovered it in the woods growing hermaphroditically, you know, and free, you know, and maybe that's how, it, you know, I'm just just throwing another. No, for thing. sure. I think we and that's absolutely right. And I think I misspoken said straight when I meant landmass, but regardless, uh, that's a good point. I just really never bought that when you look at every cannabis history timeline and then it's like, and then they brought it over, which I'm sure they also did, but I just can't, I have such a hard time believing that it wasn't here already. And we just don't give ancient people enough credit, man. They were so smart. They were so much smarter than we were because if you took one of us and you swapped us with them, they would learn how to use an iPhone in about three hours flat. And we would die trying to make a fire by ourselves. <laughs> and I think, I think that we've really lost sight of that. And uh, we, we give these people no credit. All they, they didn't have any of the distractions we have. All they did was sit around and think, how can I take this low THC plant and actually get a fucking high out of it? And uh, they figured that shit out. And I don't believe anybody who, who says otherwise. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I like that idea, too, because when somebody puts a time limit on it, I just say, I just don't buy that. I love it, though. See, I got to say this to you, Steve, that you said a while ago. Four, that's the first time I heard the 14,000 years because people are still trying to say it's only so many thousand years old. And I'm saying I just don't oh, believe that. Cannabis, is, you know? cannabis, as far as they can tell, has been they traced the genetics back 2.2 million years or something like that on the, on the well, I got a secret. I got a secret for all you Christians out there. God created cannabis. <laughs> well, no, no, no. So if you, want to get, if you want to go into the Jesus thing, like 
Like the original Hebrew translation is the oil anointed one for Jesus. And the can the the oil they referred to as 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 Kanan oil or K it's K A N something yeah. or other, and, well, and that's it actually, that's like it actually like the, it it very well could have been mistranslated to the the cannabis oil anointed one, which you well, know, Canna spelt in the the uh, uh, what is it Latin is K A N E H. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and that's so the if you just said K-A-N, it's kind of, there's a thing going on there. Anyway, so that, so, you know, Jesus was the cannabis oil anointed one. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that as well, that it, that it was an ingredient in the holy anointing oil. And just and he, remember yeah. when, when somebody says, what would Jesus do? Whipping out whips and chains and flipping tables is perfectly an, an acceptable option. <laughs> <laughs> Slitch it. <laughs> this has been great i should probably run though this is a good this is a good pause uh because i figure i gotta take a second to to say my thanks and stuff man this was really really fun and i'd love to come back anytime you'll have me heck yeah and uh tell everybody about your podcast so they can find out more about yourself and listen to more about what you do okay here we go uh growcast podcast find us everywhere spotify itunes do all that we have a membership program that's really cool you can get two free episodes of growcast every week but if you're just hooked and you can't get enough we have a membership program with additional content and live streams and all this fun stuff so check that out growcast and grow pass um and then i just i'm in the process of launching itunes is now approving the coffee health and science podcast it's yeah. currently available on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube right now, it just posted like last week. So it's, it's fresh. There's no views. Go check it out. Subscribe, help me out. Let's get this going. And then once it launches on iTunes, we'll go for a, for a bigger push, but that one's incredible, man. If you, if you love learning cannabis science, you will love learning coffee science, the healthy stuff, the organic stuff is very, very good for you. And there's some incredible research and I'm interviewing Harvard doctors and all this cool shit. Uh, what else? The Mastering Happiness podcast with Dr. Joel Wade. If you want to improve your life, learn how to be happier, check that out. If you're going through some tough stuff, you need some help with self-esteem, limiting beliefs, the Mastering Happiness podcast with Dr. Joel Wade. Um, and yeah, just keep keep doing what you do, Stephen. It's like a pleasure to to speak with you. you. I wish that we were closer geographically so we could hang out. Let me just put it that way. Awesome. We'll have to get you on again sometime. And, Please. Uh, and I want to hang out with Roger because he was like chilling as the silent plant man, just like watching the show, which was cool. I felt like it was a good effect, but next time we'll talk back and forth more. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll, we'll get the, um, the parameters of the, of the logistics of this um, new software that we're using uh, straightened out. I, well, like I said, I'm going to do a separate thing. Well, I'm going to go on on that, you know, but yeah, it was great hearing you tonight. You got a lot of, you're really motivational, I gotta say, and and I also Thank have you. to say you're you yeah you have an aggressive way about you, so I appreciate that because when I get going, I'm fairly aggressive myself when I get going. I like but, it, man. We'll um, hype each you other know what up you're talking time. about, and it sounds like you really have done a great job. I have never seen your podcast, but I will definitely watch some episodes now. I'll go cherry pick a couple guests, maybe you know. Um, yeah, I can't sounds wait to see you again or meet up with you. You know, if you ever take a uh, if you ever come to the East Coast, I think I'm going to be here for a while. The way things are going, Hell I yeah. wanted to go out west, but things are going good in the East right now. Man, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, Tara Lee, it was great talking. Period. Blood with you. Hi, I, I know what perfect timing that is. <laughs> I was actually here, but I forgot to turn my camera on. I was sitting here listening. I was like, oh, my camera's not even on. Yeah. So, but yeah. No, so it was great. It where was great are you from, Jordan? Uh, I am in Portland, Oregon, right now. 
Oh no shit. I'm in Washington. Yeah. I was just in Portland. I was I was down at the the cannabis uh, thing. What the hell? Indo Expo. I was just there. I miss all the stuff because I'm like a hermit in my in my studio oh, producing podcasts. But check me out and uh, maybe we'll run I into will. each other or on the show or reach out. Let's coordinate. I you know absolutely headed up a, to Hamfest. Oh, all right, right on. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll run into <laughs> each other. And uh, thank you all. This has been wonderful. I'm I'm excited to come back. And that Appreciate was Mr. Jordan River, everybody. Back to Steve. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Take care. Bye, Steve. Good night, brother. All right. Uh, how you been, Tara and Tara? How's it going? I'm exhausted. I've been working my bum off all day. I've been outside. It's been hot. Um, I've been <laughs> bending over cannabis plants because they're getting too tall, and I want to keep them down so they're manageable. Um, I am dealing with a little bit of aphids. Um, knock on wood i'm keeping everything else back we're like getting some more predatories in next week um i just hopefully pulled the last male out of my garden today hopefully okay hopefully because i really 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 want this one to be a boy i really or a girl i really want this one to be a girl <laughs> this last one needs to be a girl but yeah, so um, other than that, I got one that uh, a volunteer one that I was letting grow just to see how tall I could get it. Um, I was not going to harvest it. It actually got taller than me and we had to dig it up because we had a tree that broke and we had to take it down. And my husband's like, honey, we really don't need the neighbors and everybody's seen your cannabis plant right by that tree. So he made me take down. So I dug it out, but I put it in a pot. So we'll see if I can get it any taller and bigger. I, I just want to try it. The the stock's like this big on it already. So I just want I just want to try it. What the hell? Uh, what else am I doing? Oh, I have baby chickens. I I, I my mama just hatched like eleven baby chicks. Oh. I'm having two more moms that are sitting. One that has two, and the other one that's going to be hatching any day. So I have been busy running around with baby chickies and trying to make sure their, you know, beds are all clean and the eggs are all cleaned out and, you know, that regenerative farming so I can have that good manure for my good cannabis plants and my garden. So yeah, that's, I, my geese are doing good. I have a baby goose. I have, you know, the whole, the whole farming thing. I just love it. And my husband, I love my husband. He supports me so much and he, um, he isn't going to go with me to Hempfest. He's decided I'm going to Hempfest by myself. So whoever's going to Hempfest better come find me because I want to hang out and have fun. Uh, this will be the first time to Hempfest. Um, yeah, that's it. That's about it. I can't think of anything else. You sound <laughs> like you're losing your voice. <clears throat> no, I, 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 I think it's the dust. And I was in oh. the, the chicken coop. And, oh, um, yeah. Okay. I, I uh, put some new, um, that straw shaving stuff down. <clears throat> so I think it's got my throat a little bit. Take a drink of my uh, kombucha, coconut, lime. I love this flavor. It's like my favorite. <laughs> so what's everybody else doing? How are you doing, Roger? What's going on with you? Oh, uh, well, um, well, getting ready to, well, actually, uh, the first thing that's happening to me is tomorrow I'm going to Bristol and we're going to watch, go to the NASCAR race Saturday night, but moving on because this show is not about NASCAR racing, but <laughs> we'll do that. But um, it's good to see you. I hadn't seen you in a couple of shows, so it's really good to see you tonight. I'm glad Steve got to you first so you didn't have to check out or anything like that. Um, I'm, we're working on the uh, uh, getting the 
all the <laughs> the logistical issues uh, dealt with to get serious about starting this big outdoor farm on the island out there and and uh, we're continuing to build the the lab the indoor labs where we're going to try to prove to the owner of the farm that an indoor greenhouse climate controlled you know if you want to make edible uh, like or smokable hemp type you know things that it's better you know on total control or just in greenhouses where they're trying to grow it out in the field and we're working on them for that um because it's not corn and there's still people out there that feel like there's uh you know that if you got a 300 acres and you planted corn for years that now you can plant hemp and you can you can if you want to make rope you know but if you want you know in my opinion anyway i could be wrong but i believe if you want to uh, make a smokable hemp where you get that taste and all that we're all talking about josh is talking about this has been something that's going on it's actually in the stores here i can't believe it but anyway working on the farm and a different there's a, a couple different locations and we're trying to do that um vegetable garden's going great I, I'm, I'm starting to i don't know it doesn't seem like it's getting cooler but maybe it's because the light's getting shorter. I don't know. Uh, probably the photo period. But all my my uh, produce is starting to, you know, my first totally organic natural farming produce is doing great, you know. And um, I don't know. There's, I got so much going on today that was negative. It was hard to think about it when you asked me. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I'm really happy, though. So what's Steve got going on? What's yeah. Steve up to these go. days? Um, we got, yeah. Working on... Uh, getting the farm going we're just dealing with the outdoor stuff you know we're in full swing with the outdoor we had 582 plant or started with 582 plants before we started pulling a few males and a few of other you know a few others that we just decided to whack for xyz reason you know maybe didn't look quite right or we you know if we suspect anything's viral or we suspect anything could be contagious you know yeah. it's, you know with 582 plants saying worth risk in the field color so, yeah, I mean we can we can cut some more clones and put I can put five clones there, six clones there in that same pot. Still, maybe I'm not gonna get the same weight as the original plant, but yeah, it's not a zero either. You know, I can at least recoup loss. So, um, it's been doing that, and then just waiting on right now. We're waiting on the sump building to be uh, constructed. I think that comes on the 22nd. Um, shout out to Tara Lee's husband. Uh, I think our our brew tanks will be here on the 22nd or shipping the 22nd i forget which one or the other uh, thanks to her husband if you're looking for tanks or plumbing stuff hit up tara support her husband he's an awesome guy supports the community i talked to them we're in the we're going to be in the market for some of them brew tanks too if, if it's possible because of the logistics of west to east sorry steve but no you're good um, i'm so happy with that i like those too other than that just just trying to get everything squared off and then worried uh making sure we're trying to get all of our regulations, make sure all of our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed. We have a new set of regs coming in on the 29th. So we got, you know, the rest of the month basically to, to make sure that we're going to be compliant. You know, once the new reg, we're compliant now, but once the new regs go through, um, we're making sure that we're going to still be compliant, which is always scary. You know, anytime you have a big rule change. So uh, just going through that, trying to, to hold everyone's hand through that whole transition. And um, yeah, I have some new stuff I'm working on. I can't, I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but it's bigger than anything I've worked on today. You guys are gonna be lose your shit when you guys see who we're working with and all this other stuff. So 
really excited about that and when I'll be allowed to talk about that hopefully in September. I don't know. Yeah, I got to gotta ask. Them the, uh, well, cool. So do you know anybody that's headed up to HempFest? You need to hook me up. What's that? <laughs> do you know anybody headed up to HempFest? You need to hook me up. No, but if anyone's headed up. I know up, JR, JR Token's going to be here. Hell yeah, JR's. Yeah, good so people, I'm going to try and definitely meet up with him. I talked to him about the cannabis and I signed up for it. I'm finally on cannabis. <laughs> if anyone's going out to the Oklahoma City cannab- or High Times Cannabis Cup next weekend, I'll be out there. Oh, um, is that next weekend? How fun, yeah. Steve. Yep, that'll be a lot of fun. Got to see a lot of, meet a lot of the Oklahoma peeps and see some old friends uh and uh yeah that'll be a lot of fun so. how fun all right well on that note i'm gonna wrap things up a little early tonight uh, i have uh, i gotta get going sounds great my hands full so we'll catch you guys later um thanks a lot again uh for coming on the show and um uh jordan um you know be sure to check out the girl cast uh, i've been on there and uh twice and uh I know they've covered some other aquaponic cannabis growers. I know they did did Mason over at Cold Creek and some other cool places. So um, they're big, big supporters of our community. So um, definitely go check them out. And um, thanks a lot. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you, Tara? I am Tara Lee live on YouTube and on Instagram. You can find me there. And I'm going to be planning on going live this weekend at HempFest. So you better ring that bell. Awesome. How about you, Roger? Well, I'm going to be changing hats now. This is our new company, Carolina Canna Connection, and it's you know it's a it's a hemp company uh, with a license here in South Carolina, and we're going to be um, we're, we got some associations going on, which I'm I'm getting ready to go to a meeting next week. And as usual, there's sometimes you can't talk about everything, but yeah, it's uh, you can find me at Car- We're building a website. That's why I wanted to bring that up first, actually. Carolina Canna K A N E H connection um will be we have a, we have a website but it's not built yet where i'm going to be building a website in the next couple of weeks when i get back from the races this weekend but you can find me at i love growing marijuana.com roger latewood at instagram or facebook awesome yeah, you can find me as as always potent products at youtube soundcloud itunes spotify and um we'll be back again on tuesday um uh with uh, another great guest thanks a lot for everyone listening and we'll catch you guys again soon great show